Bright Suns, and welcome, welcome to the Bright Suns podcast, the show for pop culture nerds like myself to obsess over, dissect, love, cherish, and respect all things in the geekdom with a twist of positivity. My name is Mike, uh, and this is episode 16, for real this time. I have it in my notes. It literally says episode 16 for real this time because I think I've recorded this episode like four times. Uh, each was about a different thing uh, that when I went to actually go record it, I thought it was a great idea at the time. And then I thought, I really don't want to open that can of worms. And thank you, Buzzer, for going off right in the middle of all of this. Uh, anyway, welcome to the Bright Suns Podcast, episode 16. Uh, today, we are talking about, uh, I want to start by talking about Kenobi, uh, because the entire series, series or season, who knows what it's going to be at this point, uh, the entire season or series is wrapped up, uh, all six episodes, and my God, <laughs> it was so good. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We are also going to talk about who is the chosen one. Uh, and if you paid attention to my little update last week, uh, maybe maybe you're really looking forward to this. I hope you are. Uh, I kind of hope I have something good here. Uh, but uh, first, let's let's talk about Kenobi among the like myriad of things that are out right now. There's there's I mean, I can't be the only one that feels like this. I feel like there is so much good stuff out right now, right? Like, uh, I, I know I complained about it in one of my other episodes. I think it was like episode four, uh, where streaming services are just uh, collections of big piles of crap. <laughs> and uh, to an extent, they still are. Uh, there's there's a lot of bad stuff that gets put on streaming. But right now, it just seems like just so great because we have like, like the things that I'm watching uh, on top of you know, everything Star Wars is uh, switching over to like the Marvel side of the house. Ms. Marvel, if you haven't watched that yet, if you've been sleeping on it, I'm I'm like an episode and a half in and it's it's already one of my favorite Marvel series, like the shows from Disney Plus. It's one of my favorites so far. Uh, the characters are just charming. The uh, the cinematography is like mind-blowing especially i don't know if it continues on throughout every episode but at least that first episode mind-blowing there's all sorts of like amazing camera moves and amazing movements like there was this one uh right at the you know near the beginning of the first episode where the camera is like uh i know it's not the correct word but panning in like kind of, I don't know if it's trucking in or something. I know there's correct terms for when, you know, camera movements, but it's basically like moving forward, dollying in. I think that might be it. Uh, it's it's moving inward toward the two characters, uh, the counselor and Kamala. And uh, all of a sudden the camera or the screen splits in two and one half tilts one way towards towards Kamala and the other half tilts the other way toward uh, the counselor. And it's like, it's such a subtle thing. And I can think of how it was done, but it's, it's so well done. And it's just, it, it blows your mind. If you think about it, the first time you see it, it's this incredible tiny little detail that probably cost Disney a fortune to do, but it's, it's so good. It adds to this like 
cool feel of all the cinematography. But anyway, we're not talking about Miss Marvel because there's other stuff that I'm watching too. Uh, there's the boys, obviously. <laughs> and the boys, uh, the boys has been something, uh, this season, uh, so far there's, uh, only murders in the building, uh, season two. If you haven't watched it, it's, it's like one of the best whodunits, uh, that I've ever been interested in watching to the point where I've, I've finished it. Um, it's, 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 inc it's awesome. And it's, it also kind of, I don't want to say it satirizes, but it kind of satirizes the whole murder podcast thing. Like, uh, I, like I, I love being a podcast host. Uh, but one of the things that whenever I tell people, Hey, I, I host a podcast, they're like, Oh, which, uh, which murder are you covering? And it's kind of sad that that question has to start with which, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's also kind of the thing. It's like everybody started a podcast to talk about a murder and, uh, no, man, I'm just, I'm just here to talk about Star Wars and nerdy shit. Um, oh my God, there's just, there's so many good shows. Uh, my wife and I just started Stranger Things, uh, season one. So we're, we're a ways back. Uh, we're, we're not quite caught up, uh, with all the stuff, but I'm seeing all the stuff from the new season and it looks really good. So I, you know, I want to get up. I want to get in there. Uh, and obviously, you know, we just finished up with Kenobi, which, oh, oh my God, that has been... That was, that was a ride. That was a ride and a half. Uh, absolutely checked every box that I had for that show uh, prior to going into it. And I, I was trying to keep my hype in check uh, and, and, you know, kind of say, all right, I'm going into this with, with minimal expectations, very, very slight ones, but like, I'm trying not to go in there thinking certain things are going to happen and it's going to play out any certain way. But this show checked off so many boxes that I wanted. I wanted to have Obi-Wan kind of be crushed at the beginning. Uh, and and honestly, I wanted, you know, at first, I I really wanted the show to just destroy me all the way through, you know, start to end. Uh, and and to an extent it did. But uh, I, I, you know, didn't necessarily think that it was going to go like the hopeful route until they, you know, said it in an interview. We we need to have him end on a more uh, positive, hopeful note. And it makes perfect sense if you think about it, because uh, he can't just be a depressed hermit. And then all of a sudden in episode four, you know, nine years after this series, nine or 10 years after the series uh, ends, you know, he's going to be this like you know, light side, hopeful kind of guy that like, it, it didn't, it didn't fit. It would almost be like, almost kind of like the way it ended, uh, between episode three and episode four, not of the show, like the movies, episode three, you know, uh, the revenge of the Sith and a new hope. Uh, there was a huge disparity in how, you know, uh, Obi-Wan was at the end of revenge of the Sith and how he was at the beginning of a new hope. And that's what the series was filling in. And it did so wonderfully. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and there was other media that, that they kind of had to take into consideration like rebels. Um, there's obviously, uh, the twin sons episode, which I think is like the most important episode of rebels. In my opinion, it's, it's so, I mean, rebels is such an incredible show. Uh, if you haven't watched rebels, I've been telling you since the beginning, watch that show. It's so good. It's, it's, it's just so good. Anyway, uh, one other, you know, aspect that I think got a lot of, uh, unnecessary, 
unnecessary. Why did I pronounce that so weird? Unnecessary uh, attention was uh, Reva. And, you know, I there are a certain number of criticisms that I will take as valid. You know, if, if you didn't like the way that she uh, was written, if you and, and believe me, I take that one with a huge grain of salt, just saying that she's poorly written. I want to know why you think she's poorly written. That's usually the indicator. If you can answer me why, uh, you know, what makes her character poorly written or what makes her character poorly acted, uh, then I know that you came up with that opinion yourself and you weren't just uh, parroting something that um, some dude with no eyebrows told you. Uh, I, I understand how the character could come across as slightly grating to certain people. Uh, but Moses Ingram did a phenomenal job as Reva. She did such a great job as a character who was, you know, kind of destined for one path in life, or at least she thought when she was a child, had her entire world turned upside down by one person in her eyes. And, 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 you know, that, that need for vengeance. She, oh my God, Moses Ingram killed it. She did so well. Uh, she really brought that like anger, that fire of anger that, that, you know, would come from living your life devoted to getting revenge on somebody. And obviously, oh my God, spoilers. If you haven't watched Kenobi, holy shit. Um, yes, please go watch Kenobi right now. But she did so well capturing that, that, you know, ferocity and, and, that like deep, deep, dark-sided anger of of wanting vengeance for for a, almost a decade, and while she was so young, and all she did every minute of every day from that day forward was about getting revenge, and that's such a dark side thing to do. I honestly think Reva, at her darkest, which was basically when um, you know right before she was uh, probably going to attack Vader when uh, Kenobi brought her brought him to her. Uh, I honestly think that if, if Vader had said like, Hey, I'm going to bring you on as an apprentice, she would have made one of the most powerful Sith ever, but, uh, she didn't, uh, cause Vader knew what was going on. Vader, Vader, uh, he, Vader's no slouch. Um, and, and one thing that I, I, I did see a lot of was people saying like, oh, well, you know, she has her entire redemption arc in five seconds, uh, when she decides not to kill Luke, um, well, no, <laughs> because that wasn't a redemption arc. That was, that was a choice. That's all that was, was a choice. And if there's anything that I got to say about redemption arcs, it's, it's that redemption is a journey. It's not a one or two episode arc. Redemption is absolutely a journey that takes a while. It can take a while. It can be quick, but it can take a while. And you know, everybody thinks, oh, well, you know, in order to be redeemed, you have to atone. Well, no, step two is atonement. That's not step one. Step one is simply the choice to be better. And uh, I know we all know it. The uh, the part from Battlefront 2, when Dell is asking, you know, uh, you know, what choice do I have? You know, the Empire or the Rebellion? Like, you know, he he's he's torn. He thinks those are his only two choices. And Luke says, no, it's not you know, not the rebellion, the choice to be better. And that is the first step in a redemption arc is just the choice to be better. And that's the choice that she made when she decided not to kill Luke, when she couldn't kill Luke because of 
you know, she saw herself as as Vader in that moment. And not not Vader as in like Vader with the mask and everything, but Vader as in Anakin Skywalker after he became Vader and slaughtered all the younglings. She saw herself as that, as the the catalyst for her, you know, revenge and anger and and all of that. And she she couldn't bring herself to do it. And whatever you believe is the case. Obviously, Luke can't die because he was he was in uh, A New Hope. Uh, but uh, I saw one one comment on Twitter that was great. It was it was basically, uh, well, no, she couldn't kill him because the Force willed it not to be, uh, and that's that's entirely valid. And that's actually I liked it. It was pretty good. Like, okay, the reason why she saw herself as Luke. Uh, you know, about to be slaughtered by some dark-sided thing, not even a human, uh, was because the Force put that idea in her head. And I think I think that's just an absolutely amazing way of looking at it. It's it's incredible, and it's 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 something that I think the Force would do, as uh, evidenced by you know the next topic we're going to talk about. But uh, honestly, Kenobi is is everything I ever wanted from. A Star Wars show. It's, it's, I, I know I don't like saying that I have a favorite. I have my favorites. I don't really like voicing them, but I, I would say Kenobi is my, my absolute favorite show. Um, and really it, it's because of one scene and it's, it's, it's this one right here. I'm going to play this scene. Uh, so in this scene, uh, you can hear from the breathing, uh, Obi-Wan has, attacked Vader, uh, sliced him up pretty good, and sliced open his mask. Anakin. Anakin's gone. I am what remains. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Anakin. For all of it. I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Oh, so good. The same way. I will destroy you. And my friend is truly dead. Goodbye. Darth. And then this is one of my favorite parts right here. It's just the pain, the pain behind this.
in time um absolutely oh my god like i'm i'm literally getting misty just listening to it i didn't even have the video playing for that part i just had the recording clipped to to you know play on the podcast here but like i'm getting misty just listening to that because that is you know the vader that we got in this show was so different than the vader in uh, a new hope and there's a reason for that. And, and it's because he is so fueled by anger and hatred. And the second that he started getting close to, to getting Obi-Wan, all of that bubbled up to the surface and he was unhinged the entire show. It was so good. And it all led to that moment where Obi-Wan cracked through the mask just a bit in, in almost the same way that Ahsoka did in Rebels. Again. The Rebels references, amazing. But, uh, you know, cracked through the mask just enough to 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 maybe let a little bit of Anakin out. But Anakin, Anakin's so gone at this point, and he's so twisted and corrupted by the dark side uh, that that he is, he's, he's, he's insane at this point. He's, he's absolutely insane. But, uh, you know, that, that, you know, that weird little like evil smile that he had when he said, I did. Uh, he's proud of the fact that he killed Anakin Skywalker, that Anakin Skywalker is essentially dead. And and there's so much pain in in that scream at the end, that Obi-Wan scream at the end. And uh, I mean, all credit in the world goes to the audio team on this. Because that that blending of James Earl Jones's voice and Hayden Christensen's voice, it it was blended in a way that, you know, uh, Vader came out every so often and then Anakin came out. And then at the end, it was it was both of them in this robotic kind of digitized uh, half Vader, half Anakin scream. And, and the amount of pain behind it was was broadcasting both you know, Vader's anger and Vader's need for revenge, as well as Anakin's, uh, just pain and grief and suffering. And there, there was this complex mix of emotions in that scream. And it was, oh my God, like that, that was the scene. That was absolutely the scene for me. <laughs> it was, oh, it was so good. And, and I mean, everybody that was involved in this show was just absolutely incredible. Um, uh, uh, the actress who played uh, young Leia, uh, Vivian, Vivian something, Vivian Blair, I think. Um, I'm I'm terrible. I don't have her name written down. Uh, she was a perfect Leia. Absolutely. Hands down. 100% perfect. Uh, she embodied everything that a young Leia would be. And, and uh, it, it was so believable that she would grow up to be Ve uh, not Vader. <laughs> she would grow up to be Leia. Uh, I honestly believe that. And I'm, I'm very curious. One thing that I'm very curious about is her career going forward as an actress. I, I'm almost curious if she's going to continue playing Leia. Like, will she play Leia again 
as a child? Will she play Leia again as a teenager? Will she play Leia again as an adult? Um, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of weird to, to think of like, you know, I, I, you know, uh, the, the future stuff you're gonna get from, from a child actress. I mean, you never know. And I think we have to nurture the, the work that she did was unbelievable. Like, how do you get that out of a child actor? That, I, that was unbelievable to me was that she was so good. Like when she was asking Obi-Wan if, uh, if Obi-Wan was her real father, my, my heart sank because that was not just a child reading a line. Like she felt that and she felt this like weird mix of like, uh, you know, sadness and, and grief of, of, you know, never knowing who her real parents were. And that slight little hint of optimism that maybe this guy, this Jedi was her real father. And, and it crushed Obi-Wan and it was so good and it crushed me. And that, that was exactly what I wanted out of this show was I wanted to be crushed and then I wanted to be brought to a place that was hopeful and optimistic. And this show delivered every single note was perfect. So, uh, I honestly, I, I don't have really anything negative to say yet. And, and I, I think I need to watch the series as a whole a couple more times <laughs> because, uh, it's, it's so good. And, and I feel like I'm going to get more out of every, every time that I watch it. And, uh, I'm already in love with Ned B. <laughs> He's my new favorite droid. My new favorite droid changes like every time. Um, but yeah, Ned B best droid out there. Um, but honestly, if, if you haven't watched Kenobi and you're listening to this, why, uh, because I just spoiled like the best part of the entire show for you. But um, go watch Kenobi. Go watch it again if you need to. Um, and before we go off into the the big topic of who is the chosen one, I do want to take just a, a short break to try to keep the lights on a couple pennies at a time. Uh, so I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about who is the chosen one in Star Wars. Be right back. guys we are back welcome uh and this this is gonna be a fun one i think um i had a lot of fun uh kind of doing some of the research on this one um and honestly uh thank you to wikipedia uh if if you are a star wars podcaster and you do not have wikipedia bookmarked uh are you really a star wars podcaster <laughs> uh wikipedia is a fantastic resource for uh, everything that you ever want to know about Star Wars. Anything. Uh, this show is not sponsored by Wikipedia. This show is just uh, heavily benefited by them <laughs> in the fact that they have every answer to every question I could ever ask about Star Wars. I love Wikipedia. And they're also extremely awesome on social media and best friends with the official Star Wars account. How did that happen? <laughs> and how do I get there? Uh, anyway... The Chosen One, uh, obviously a huge part of Star Wars lore is the Chosen One prophecy. Uh, and, and short and sweet, the prophecy is, uh, according to the Jedi interpretations, a Jedi will come 
to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. That's the translation as as of, you know, the Jedi see it. Uh, and the prophecy basically, yeah, just says that a Jedi is going to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. Now, this uh, prophecy had been around for a long, 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 long time. And there are other interpretations of it, like there's a Sith interpretation. And there's even Obi-Wan's own interpretation after scanning the prophecy that doesn't even mention Jedi. Just says, a child strong in the Force will come and bring uh, destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a Jedi that is going to destroy the Sith. Uh, but before we really get into who is what... Uh, we really need to talk about, you know, uh, to, to, you know, to really understand why the Force even needed a Chosen One, we need to talk a little bit about the Force itself, because the balance of the Force, in my opinion, is often misunderstood. So the Force needs to be balanced. That's what the prophecy says, bring balance to the Force. Now, that may have guided a lot of Jedi teachings in thinking that the Force is always out of balance and there's, you know, they need to fight the Sith in order to bring balance to the Force. But uh, in my opinion, the Force was mostly balanced before uh, all of, you know, when, when the prophecy was originally written, I think the Force was balanced. But the balance of the Force, that actual balance is often misunderstood because what I often see online is that Anakin brought balance to the Force because there were, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of Jedi before the Purge, and then afterwards, there's two and two. <laughs> and so that's balance right there. There's two Jedi, there's two Sith. Uh, we know that that's false now because there are, there are a lot of Jedi survivors, uh, you know, Order 66 survivors, so it's not just two and two. So that didn't balance the force. That wasn't Anakin balancing the force when he, you know, slaughtered children. Jesus, people. <laughs> um, and another another line that I think often gets uh, misused uh, to prove this point that, you know, uh, there needs to be an even number of Jedi and Sith is Luke from The Last Jedi. When he's uh, giving one of his lessons to Rey, he does say, powerful light, powerful dark. And when you, when you take this line with the assumption that the Jedi are the light and the Sith are the dark, and it can be understood as, as long as there is one, there must be the other. And I've seen it used online to mean that, that you cannot have the Jedi without the Sith and you cannot have the Sith without the Jedi. And that if you destroy one, you'll destroy the other. If you don't destroy one, you don't destroy the other. And that's how the balance is. And that's, I, I feel like that's too simple of a way to look at it. The force works in mysterious ways, really. And uh, I've, I've seen it used to mean that without darkness in general, there can be no light, which when you say it in that particular way, kind of makes it sound like you're trying to justify being a horrible person. But I digress. The Jedi themselves are not the light, while the Sith are not the dark. There is light, there is dark, there are Jedi, there are Sith. Jedi are not the light, Sith are not the dark. If anything, and again, all my opinion, I'm, I'm, I, I back it up with a few things, but all my opinion, uh, the Jedi are the peace and hope that comes from the light, and the Sith 
are the corruption and greed that comes from the dark. So the Jedi are things that are born of the light, and Sith are things that are born of the dark, but neither of them are the things they are born from, if that makes any sense. And their core philosophies really kind of make this much obvious. Uh, you know, I mean, if you just try to watch a Sith try to open a Jedi holocron, and, and it was in Rebels, uh, watching Maul try to open a Jedi holocron, or uh, watching Yoda, how he calls down lightning rather than casting it from his fingers. There's, there's a similarity and a difference in how Jedi and Sith operate. They kind of have the same things. They, they each have holocrons. They can each call down lightning. Uh, or cast lightning. It, it, they can they can manipulate lightning, <laughs> but the way Jedi do it, it's very much at peace and it's very much a cooperative nature. You know, Yoda called it down from the sky, but when the Emperor uses lightning, he's casting it from his fingers, and that is that is very manipulative. That is very unnatural. Uh, a thing that you know. Unnatural is a word that's really tied to Palpatine, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but of the two beliefs, however, the dark side's corruptive nature tends to, you know, uh, make it very difficult to come back from that. It is possible to come back from that, but it is extremely difficult. And the Sith are that corruption. And the Sith are, are very much the embodiment of corruption. And when something like that is, when that kind of damage is done, when you are corrupted, it's, it's hard to uncorrupt yourself. You know, it's hard to escape that corruption. It's hard to even want to let it go because there's so much power involved with it. And it's so, so corruption of that nature is very likely permanent. And the best that one might be able to do is simply not slide any further toward it you know, toward that, that corruption, that, that pure corruption of the dark side. Uh, because the thing about corruption is the further you go, the easier it becomes to go further faster. It's, it's like an exponential decline. You know, the, the further you go, the faster you're going to go. And it's very easy. So the Sith, that corruption, that, that's, that's, it's, you know, it's like rust on a bumper. You know, if you leave it unchecked, the entire thing's going to just fall apart in your hands later on. So uh, balancing the force does not necessarily mean that if the Sith are eradicated, then all the Jedi are, or vice versa. It doesn't mean that you have to have an equal number of Sith and Jedi in order for the, the force itself to be balanced. Because balancing the force is actually truly about destroying the Sith, the corruption, that rust that would eventually lead the galaxy into a perpetual state of darkness. Uh, there will still be light and dark, but without the Sith, that massive corruptive factor is completely removed, and the galaxy has a shot of balancing itself out. There, there can be light and darkness. And, you know, we, we see this in uh, Ray's training montage. I, you know, montage, I don't know, some, you know, Ray's training with Luke on Octo. Octu or Octo. I don't know. I'm like bad at pronouncing shit. I, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, she sees light and hope. And then she sees darkness and, and violence. And these aren't like, hey, she saw a Jedi and then she saw a Sith. She No, she saw good things and she saw bad things. And those two things will always exist, 
no matter what. There will always be good, there will always be bad, there will always be light, and there will always be dark. And these, these forces of light and dark will always balance themselves out as long as the Sith don't exist, because the Sith are that corruption. The Sith are the, are the corrosion, the rust. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to break stuff down and they're going to make it harder to see the light. They're going to make it harder for the light to counteract anything of the dark. So the Sith are really, truly what needs to be eradicated for the force to be out of balance. I'm sorry, for the force to balance itself out. So obviously if the, uh, if the prophecy exists at all, we need to know why the force would be out of balance. So why was the force out of balance to begin with? Well, like I said, the Sith are corruption. They're like rust on a bumper. And, and you know, if you don't do anything about it, the entire bumper is going to fall off. The entire bumper is going to collapse. They aren't the water that got on the bumper to cause the rust. They aren't the baking sun. They are the rust itself. They are corrosion. And... The Force was out of balance because, and there's an issue of the Darth Vader comic, which is canon, that reveals that Palpatine somehow used the Force to get Shmi pregnant with Anakin. And it wasn't through sex, because Shmi would have known about that, but Palpatine kind of already told everybody how he did it. Hell, he told Anakin. Do you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I'm going to play the whole scene here, too. Such a great scene. No. I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith. So powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. He could actually save people from death. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. So what happened to him? you can you can see the right there. He basically tells Anakin exactly how he made Anakin. Anakin is not biologically Palpatine's son. He's he, he's born of the Force. Palpatine learned how to do this from Plagueis, and Palpatine manipulated the medi the midichlorians inside Shmi to create life. I, I, it, it's, it could not be more clear than right there. So Anakin himself is the imbalance in the Force. He is the result of Palpatine's manipulations of the Force itself. He is, Anakin, is the living wound that Palpatine inflicted on the natural order of the universe. Anakin Skywalker was never meant to be around, but, as we all know... I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. We know that all is as the Force wills it. The Force has will. Meaning that the Force is kind of, you know, 
kind of a sentient, omnipotent thing in the galaxy, I guess. And my belief, and the, you know, this is this is where canon and my belief kind of meld together and kind of become something, I don't know, you can believe it, you cannot. But my belief is that the Force felt this wound inflicted upon it and decided to make this wound an instrument of its own will. So it knew that it was going to be wounded and it decided to make the wound the thing that brought about the downfall of the person that wounded it. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker would become the chosen one. And I, and, you know, and it knew this event would come to pass thousands of years before it did. But if you listen to my update last week, I already said Anakin was not the chosen one. And depending on your point of view, you're either already agreeing or disagreeing with me. Because with the prequels in our hindsight, it was also heavily implied that Luke was the chosen one. But if we take the prophecy literally, the one who destroyed the Sith, who actually destroyed the Sith, was Rey. So how could the chosen one be so confusing? How could it possibly be three people at once? And I... I started kind of thinking about this whole thing last year when I watched Rebels for the first time. And and it was it was one scene and it was the clip that I almost played earlier. I'm going to play it now. This scene really got me thinking about it and this is from the episode Twin Sons of uh Star Wars Rebels. scene too. Tell me, is it the chosen one? He is. He will avenge us. So good. And unbelievable of Star Wars Rebels to play that off as a tragedy like it rightfully is uh, but right there Obi-Wan says he is speaking about Luke so Luke is the chosen one apparently but then I thought it was Anakin previously and and the thing about this is if you asked Obi-Wan back in the Clone Wars he would acknowledge that Anakin was probably the chosen one because Qui-Gon believed it but I don't think Obi-Wan believed it himself back in the Clone Wars days, but Qui-Gon believed it, so he kind of went with it. And then it wasn't until all of the events of, you know, uh, Kenobi and all of the events of, you know, uh, the prequel trilogy that he really saw Luke as the chosen one. And I think that's when he really believed it himself. But if Anakin could be the chosen one and Luke could be the chosen one, and then if you take the actual literal definition of the, the chosen one, the actual prophecy, and it, it applies perfectly to Ray, then I believe that the true chosen one is not a single person. I believe it is many people, sometimes more than one person at once, but it shifts through time. It started as Anakin, it moved to Luke, and it ended with Ray. And there were they were all, at one point in their lives, the chosen one. And it's not just them. It moves. It, Like I said, it, it fluctuates. And I believe that the true chosen one is not a person. It's a legacy. 
those touched by, inspired by, or motivated by a part of the very thing that unbalanced the force to begin with. I believe that the Chosen One is the legacy of Anakin Skywalker, not the person, the legacy. And a legacy encompasses both the good and the bad. Luke feeling the corruptive pull toward the dark by Vader's manipulations, him overcoming them by Anakin's inner conflict and hope. And, you know, Luke was, was being inspired by Anakin to, to really see that hope and that optimism. And he was also being inspired by the dark side of Anakin directly by Vader just, you know, telling him that, hey, I'm going to, you know, fucking work, you know, work your sister over. <laughs> I'm going to turn her into my apprentice. Um, but Luke was the chosen one in the moment that he inspired Anakin to throw the emperor over the edge. But then Anakin became the chosen one again when he actually did it. And then Luke was the chosen one again as he trained a new generation of Jedi. And the legacy shifted and moved and it grew and matured. And it touched different people at different times and in different ways. Kylo was very much inspired by Vader, but it was Anakin's legacy that shifted from Luke to Leia to Rey that in the end finally made its way back to Kylo and helped him become Ben again. Ben and Rey became the chosen one as they fought to end Palpatine. And then Rey took it by herself, the chosen one, the Anakin legacy, to destroy Emperor Palpatine and finally put an end to all the Sith. The wound that was turned into a weapon by the Force to eradicate the very thing that wounded it, the Sith. And, and, and I, I, you know, like I said, I've been thinking about this idea for like a year where the, the Chosen One can't possibly be just one person. It can be the legacy of that wound. It can be the legacy of Anakin Skywalker. And... You know, the wound just happened to have a name. It's not necessarily that Anakin Skywalker's actions in life are, you know, what, uh, what made him become the chosen one. He was the chosen one the minute he was born. The minute he was, the minute that the midichlorians were, were manipulated, he became the chosen one. And, and it couldn't have been by the actions of just one person that the Sith were destroyed. The legacy of Anakin Skywalker, taken and shaped by Luke, who then gave it to Leia, who gave it to both Ben and Rey, are the only way possible to destroy the Sith. We've seen the story play out over the course of all nine movies. It could only have worked out that way. We don't have a what if. There is no what if in Star Wars because we know from Rebels that... All is as the Force wills it. The world between worlds is not a retcon machine. All it does is show you the timeline as it happened and as it can only happen that way. You know, we saw that if Ezra tried to save Kanan, they all would have died. And therefore, he wouldn't have been able to save Kanan. It would have caused a loop. It would have caused a, a paradox that it means he cannot have saved Kanan. And that is exactly why all of this happened the way it happened, why it took nine movies to eradicate the Sith, why the Chosen One cannot possibly be one person. This is why I believe that it's the legacy 
of Anakin Skywalker. The legacy, not the person, but the legacy that he passed down that got molded and shaped and grew and, and matured by other people, by everyone in the galaxy that ended with Rey. And that, that legacy, that is the chosen one. <laughs> and one little side note to kind of end this with too, is I think an interesting thing about all of this is, is the part that Obi-Wan plays. Uh, because Obi-Wan, you know, I, I believe that if you take this, this Anakin legacy as being the chosen one, then anybody touched and inspired by Anakin's legacy will become the chosen one. Anakin, uh, or I'm sorry, Obi-Wan <laughs> serves as the guardian of that legacy because he's the one that, for the most part, trained and protected Anakin. And and he allowed Anakin to grow up. And then he he protected Luke and then trained Luke, you know, with the help of, of uh, Yoda. Uh, but, you know, the, him as a force ghost helped train Luke. And... That was, you know, he's he's the guardian of the legacy. He's the guardian. He's the shield that the Force put in front of the wound to make sure that that wound can heal enough to become a weapon. I just, oh my God, I just, I, my mind blew up when I, when I, I started putting all this together. And I hope that maybe you guys are as excited about it as it is i am i maybe it's just me maybe it's my ego or something but i i think this is a an elegant complicated neat way to envision how the force works and how the force reacts and how uh how this whole story plays out and that it can't play out any other way because it was predicted by the force the minute the galaxy blinked into existence uh, so I, I hope you guys really, uh, enjoyed this. I hope you guys, uh, enjoyed me coming back after almost two months. Uh, this is the kind of episode that I've been trying to make, uh, is, is one that really dives in and explores, uh, you know, more stuff about the show and more stuff about, uh, the movies and, and the, you know, the themes and stuff. So I really hope you guys, uh, enjoyed this. If you did, uh, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter, at Bright Suns Media. Uh, pretty much everywhere is at Bright Suns Media. Let me know what you guys thought. Uh, let me know what you guys think, what you guys want to talk about next. I want to do another show where I ask you questions and then I read your answers for the first time live on the show. Uh, I want to do another episode like that because that was, that was ridiculously fun. Um, but anyway, thank you guys for tuning in again. We're coming back after uh, not hearing my voice for almost two months. I'm sure. I'm sure most of you were heartbroken about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but you guys are absolutely the greatest. Um, oh, a couple of things I did want to bring up. Um, I kind of wanted to bring it up at the beginning of the show, but uh, damn it. Uh, well, now I'm bringing it up at the end. Uh, the Bright Suns podcast is a, a proud supporter of the Amidala Initiative. I'm going to put links in the below uh, notes. I'm sure below is working on every uh, platform that this is going to be on, but I'm going to put this in the notes uh, for the episode. I'm going to put a link to the fundraiser for the Amidala Initiative. It is a fundraising initiative that will uh, benefit Equality Texas. It's meant to go toward... Uh, trans youth and their families in Texas who are being affected by the oppressive legislation that was written 
uh, that uh, really, it seems like forever ago, but it, it happened and it's still happening. Um, and as a matter of fact, it is getting worse in other states. Uh, but we, we need to, we need to do everything we can to help people. Uh, just like Anakin said, problem with the unit, with the galaxy is that nobody helps each other. We can do that. We can be, uh, the people that help each other. Uh, so please consider donating to the Amidala Initiative. I'm sorry, I rambled my way through that. That was terrible. But, uh, please consider donating to the Amidala Initiative. And there is actually another uh, fundraiser that I would very much like it if all of my listeners, every single one of you out there, took a minute and donated anything that you can. Uh, the uh, What Choice fundraiser, uh, which is a fundraiser for the National Abortion Foundation. And it it really sucks that we have to keep uh, coming up with these fundraisers and with these uh, with these these campaigns to try to undo some very terrible stuff that happened. Uh, but uh, I'm going to put links below uh, for for both of these fantastic uh, Star Wars related uh, fundraiser uh, that is going to go towards some very 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 good very helpful organizations. Uh, so please, 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 please consider donating whatever you can, uh, share the links, share this episode, share the, uh, Twitter handles. Um, I'll put those in, in the notes as well. Um, make sure to just get word out there because things are, things are bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Things really suck. Uh, and there, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to go political, but there is certain people certain political affiliation that is mostly responsible, entirely responsible for this. Uh, and we need to do whatever we can to undo the damage that they've done and then make sure that they cannot cause this damage anymore. Uh, so please consider donating. Uh, definitely, absolutely, 1,000% get out and vote in November. I will be reminding you every single episode if I have to, uh, to get out and vote. Uh, because that's, that's the only way that we get out of this. Uh, so thank you. Thank you guys so much for coming back, for listening, for being the best damn audience I could possibly ask for. May the force be with you always. And thank you.